0: For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com.
1: We are back on Your Tech Report. Thank you guys so much for being along for the ride. mitchell Whitfield and Mark Flalo. with you. We talked about MacBooks, obviously, and the M1 processors. Let's shift our focus to PCs for a second. And to do that, let's bring on the executive editor of Windows Central. His name is Daniel Rubino. No stranger to the show. Daniel, thank you for being here.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Daniel, where do you where do you see us today in terms of the PC marketplace starting, I guess, I don't know, with processors and computers and where do we stand when it comes to PCs?
2: You know, the processor stuff is ramping up, you know, we got AMD there uh, doing very well, especially in the low end space and gaming laptops. They're struggling. The Ultrabook range, which is Intel's bread and butter. Uh Intel, I believe, is poised to launch the 12th gen chips, which are going to be game-changing in a lot of ways for them. It's a new architecture for laptops, probably a CES, which means new laptops in the spring and going to summertime and into next fall. And then you have Qualcomm there. We do expect Qualcomm to announce new ARM processes for computing in the next few weeks. Probably won't be available, though, until you know spring, summertime. They won't be up there with the M1 stuff but it's going to start narrowing that gap. And I don't see where Apple is with the M1 processor or some uh, unbeatable metric. It's not magic. It's five nanometer. It's kind of an arm-based silicon. Uh, you know, in uh, Qualcomm bought Nuvia, the company that's run by people who developed Apple's chips. I mean, so all this stuff is going to start really coming together in the next couple of years. And I think no matter what side you are on Mac or PC, It's just going to be really cool. There's going to be all sorts of new options, and computing is just going to get to where we've all envisioned it it would be, and I think that's a lot of fun.
1: Daniel, how do you think the introduction of Windows 11 has impacted the PC market? You know, we still see computers out there with Windows XP on it. Do you think the adoption rate's going as well as they expected?
2: Yeah, it's actually really interesting. I was just uh, playing around with the Dell XPS 139310, another top laptop that still blows me away in terms of design. It's still a laptop that has been designed and iterated over the last few years. It still looks like way ahead of its time due to its super thin bezels. And I went to go see, and it doesn't, it qualifies for Windows 11, but they're not pushing it out to the device yet. Now, you can still go get it by, you just go to Microsoft and you download their media creation tool, and it just upgrades it. It's simple. So I'm now running Windows 11 on it. But it goes to show you that they're taking a very slow staged rollout to make sure that there are no bugs and problems. As someone who covers this stuff, my job has actually been pretty easy this year because this is one of the least problematic OS updates that Microsoft has ever done for Windows. Uh, We're just not posting a lot of stuff with people having issues. So it's a very stable operating system. It's a very simplified operating system. And that's been kind of the goal to sort of streamline the look of it uh, to attract new people who need to do certain things in 2021 that maybe wasn't the focus of Windows 10 in 2015. And so you know The rollout's been going well. Uh, all new hardware now ships with Windows 11, so OEMs like this angle. Uh, but there's a lot of benefits to this operating system, including smaller updates, right? It smartly updates the package now. It only targets files in the system that need to be updated, uh, updated instead of refreshing the whole OS. There's usability, there's stability. So you know, one of the controversial things is only certain hardware can run Windows 11. Stuff that basically came out in the last two to three years uh, is almost guaranteed to get it. But what Microsoft has been able to do is sort of guarantee stability with those devices. And I put it on all sorts of PCs, and I've never had an issue running Windows 11 so far. And I think that bodes well for this update. But it will take a while. Um, the good thing is, there's no app issue here, meaning there's no, um, Problem with people staying on Windows 10, which is supported through 2025. We do expect Microsoft to actually give more guidance on what this actually means in terms of updates and new features. It just got the new Microsoft Store, for instance. But because there's no app story here, um, this idea that you know, like some computers will be on Windows 11 and some on Windows 10, isn't you know, fragmentation is not a problem compared to something like with Android or even iOS where you do have to have devices catch up in order to get the new experiences. So I think that is a good uh, model for Microsoft.
1: You know, Daniel, Microsoft has always said that they're building their own hardware, the Surface lineup, the Surface Pro, Studio, et cetera, et cetera, to create this kind of blueprint so that other companies can see how they intended their software to be used on the hardware. Do you think this is working? Do we see other manufacturers diving into this and using those blueprints?
2: Absolutely. So you know, I mentioned I've been doing this for ten years. If you, going back to 2014, say if you told me like here's an HP laptop, I would have cringed. All right, I mean there, there were there was a period where netbooks, you know, that was still recovery from the netbook era, which was pretty detrimental to the PC experience. But with Surface, Microsoft really has set the bar with engineering. And Surface is super interesting. I could talk about this for hours, but like it gets a lot of attention. But in terms of actual market, it's very tiny. It's a boutique experiment, basically, to get these sort of devices out there and get the conversation going. But in terms of actually driving sales, it's very small. And that's sort of the point. It's why they're so expensive. They're not meant to push out HP, Dell, and Lenovo, the big companies, and you have Acer, Asus, and Razer as well. It's not meant to destroy them. It's meant to sort of give them a little kick. Starting in 2015, HP got really good, especially with the Spectre series started coming out and with their 360 devices. HP, for me, is one of the better laptop companies. I really enjoy where they've been going, where they've been innovating. But Lenovo is also doing a lot in this space. They got the Yoga series, of course, and they've been innovating with speakers as hinges. And Dell, of course, with the XPS line, it's so iconic. The the Dell XPS is probably one of the most uh, highly sold premium Windows PCs out there. Now they have the 13, they have the 15, they have the 17, which is a crazy device because it's the size of a 15, they have the XPS 13 two and one. And spoiler, I think they're gonna have a big announcement at CES for this lineup for a new device that's coming out, I assume probably with the twelve gen Intel, which is gonna allow them to do some new stuff. And so these, what's neat about Dell, Lenovo and HP, they've all created excellent premium experiences, even HP's Envy line, which is more mid range is super good and one of the reasons they've been able to not only create these very good experiences and distinct identities there's no way you ever look at an xps 13 and an hp laptop and think like oh those are basically the same or they're mac clones right that was always a thing you still see that in china that's a cultural thing there where they do try to actually you know copy but you can't look at anything from HP, Dell, Lenovo, Razor, or Asus and say, oh, they're just copying Mac now. And I think that's a really strong thing. And I can now easily recommend all these laptops. And I, I'm really proud of the companies and how they've been engineering these things. And in fact, they've been beating sort of Microsoft in some areas. And I that's kind of what we want in this space. It's sort of competing between all of them.
1: You know, you make an interesting point there where you talk about recommending a specific laptop one versus the other. And we get a lot of questions from people saying, hey, what kind of laptop should I get? Should I get a Mac? Should I get a PC? What do I need? And we always tell people, you know, it depends on what you're using it for. But when, when people ask you that question, when they come to Daniel Rubino and say, what kind of laptop should I get? What's your response to them?
2: Yeah. And so this is where it gets really complicated and where people talk about processors like everybody's focusing on sort of, the, you know, the most powerful processor out there. There um, were very long battery life. And those things are important. (laughs) I always joke around. I've never run a PC in my life that was too fast and had too much battery life, right? That's just doesn't, that's not a problem. Um, So those things can always get better. But with the Intel Evo badge, which you will want to look for on say Ultrabook laptops, the thin and lights you're going to get the good battery life. We're pushing over 10 hours now. And there is diminishing returns. I get like a MacBook M1 could go you know, a little bit longer. But I always tell people like at the end of the day, if you at 40% battery life, that's awesome. Are you going to go to bed and not charge it for the next day? Probably not. That is, if you do, you love gambling. Most people are still going to plug in their laptop at the end of the night. Um, so it does you know, diminish. But then I start with, you know, the question, what kind of work do you do? Is it primarily web browser based? Are you using email? Are you watching say video, YouTube, Netflix, doing sort of streaming media, messaging apps, Telegram, WhatsApp? Uh, Are you using iTunes? Or are you doing like CAD, right? Which is like a whole different thing. Are you doing 3D engineering? Are you doing artistic work? Do you need a touch screen? You know, do you want to do pen and inking? Do you like drawing? All these are going to drive those decisions. You know, I mentioned the Surface Pro X and the Surface Pro 8 is in this category for me too. I need thin and light when I'm not in front of my desktop. My desktop is a sick system, right? (laughs) It's a very nice desktop gaming system. But when I go away from here, I'm totally fine with a thin and light device, preferably one with 4G or even 5G. I've needed this. If I'm in the back of a cab, if I'm in an Uber, I'm at an airport, I'm in a place that doesn't have very good Wi-Fi, I'm doing stuff that needs security. People forget Wi-Fi is not a very secure system. There's a reason why enterprise likes 4G and 5G is because it's way more secure for doing proprietary information and data transfers. And if you need that kind of experience, then you'll want to go to some areas in PC. And I'm happy to report a lot of PCs now are offering 4G and 5G. If you want to do primarily gaming, obviously, you want to go towards the gaming laptops. But even there now, the story is changing because we have game streaming now as an option. And I think this is going to be a bigger story. I'm really curious. I'm going to be talking to Intel in a couple of weeks about this, too, about this idea that what I call local discrete processing, how powerful your laptop is in front of you, how long the battery life is, I think is gonna start to diminish as cloud becomes a bigger story. We're seeing it for gaming right now. Why should you carry around a five pound laptop with a 3080 GTX and a core i9 that gets four hours of battery life so you can game at 4K? when you can stream that game to your device. Now, of course, this is contingent upon your internet connection and availability and how you like the game, but that story is gonna become a bigger one. And we've already seen Microsoft moving the operating system to the cloud too, mostly for enterprise right now. I can envision in the future, five years out, where we have super thin clients, like you know things that are thinner than Surface Pro X, that get very long battery life that don't have a lot of powerful local processing, but then do it in the cloud. HP already does this with the ZBook series. They do, when you buy that laptop, you get a server as well, uh, a server license where you could run CAD remotely. So you could do your 3D high-res 4K stuff on the server, stream it to the laptop and work on it in real time. That's opening all sorts of opportunities for processing. Uh, So all these questions kind of come into steering people into what kind of laptop they want. And luckily with PC, there's tons of options there.
1: As the world went into this pandemic, Daniel, there was a need for a lot of really quick innovation in terms of the remote workspace. We saw, you know, Zoom come to the forefront, Microsoft Teams come into its own, a lot of technological advancements in the past couple of months, in the past couple of years that came out of the pandemic and the need to be able to keep in touch and connect remotely. Do you think as we ease out of this pandemic, as things get a little better and people go back to work, we're going to see as much innovation if there's not that much of a need for it?
2: Yeah, I, I would say it's definitely accelerating and you're right But the webcam. Is the biggest one, right? Even you know, I mentioned Dell, the XPS 13 super thin bezels looked awesome, way ahead of its time. The camera sucked, <laughs> so like, and, and that was just the way that the, the market was going. I mean, some gaming laptops didn't even ship with a web camera because they're like, well, gamers, if they really need to do streaming, are going to buy and bring their own high end 4K uh camera that's all shifting right now. So you're seeing HP now has their Dragonfly Max, which has a five megapixel full HD camera. And it's a very good one that sort of, um, you know, and and if cameras are your thing, you're on video calls all day, this is where Surface actually still is the king. They have the best web cameras on any devices I've used. Um, Whether that's going to be the Surface Pro 8, Surface Pro X, the Laptop Studio, they just are sort of ahead. I mean, even on Pro X, there's still this thing that's not rolled out to other devices, which it has AI. It auto adjusts your eyes when you're on a video call. So normally, if I'm looking at you right now, my eyes are down here, but I have to look right at the camera, but it can actually adjust that. So you're going to see more of that technology with Intel coming out as well. Um, and I think that's where you start to see the innovation. If you notice my background, and I, I'm, I can say yours too, is blurred. This isn't blurred because I'm using a DSLR camera. This is just a a Logitech. It's using NVIDIA's broadcast, which is using AI to do this, using my graphics card that's a huge step in terms of increasing the clarity my microphone is also using nvidia broadcast so if i clap you're probably not going to hear it because it's being filtered out through ai and that's sort of where i think you're going to see a lot of this technology both in terms of software and the hardware improving as well you know intel has this thing with what's called human presence detection uh This is good for security reasons. If you're in front of a laptop, it it can tell you're there, not through the camera, through a new type of sensor that uses a sonar type to detect a human is there. If I walk away from my device, it says, oh, there's no person here, auto locks the computer. Good for security. But then if I walk back in front of it, even with the display off, it goes, oh, there's a person there, turns the screen on, launches Windows Hello and logs me in automatically I haven't touched a thing so you're going to start to see a lot of these sort of micro technologies that in of themselves is not game-changing but when you add them all up Improves the overall uh, experience of using a computer in the modern world.
1: He is Daniel Rabino, the executive editor of Windows Central, talking all things PC. Daniel, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week. We cannot wait to have you on again, Daniel Rabino, here on your Tech Report. He has Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. I'm Marco Flalo in Montreal. Stick around; there's more to come.
0: Your Tech Report will be right back. Do, did